Hello and welcome once again to It Is Complicated, the podcast where we answer every single question with It Is Complicated, including the title of the podcast, which is It Is Complicated. Hello, Dr. J. Hello, Josephine. How are you? <laughs> We're in lockdown. Can you tell? So, yes. Hi. Do you want me to go first? Because I usually do. <laughs> don't know. Hey, I'm Dr. J. Uh, I use they as a pronoun. I gave myself the job title Harbinger of Change because I work at ThoughtWorks, which is a bespoke software consultancy that employs people like me to go into corporates and tell them, hey, you can do things differently. It's great fun. I got to give myself the gender transgressive non-binary gender queer, thanks to the New Zealand government. That is my official gender. And what else? I'm a troublemaker and a hashtag queer nuisance because branding. Josephine. Who, when, why, and how are you? I'm trying to establish that and more of a general existential way, but in a more specific way for this podcast, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly I'm going to introduce myself as. So we'll just give it a go and see what happens, shall we? Yes. All right. Hi, my name is Josephine Baird. I'm in... Fuck. What am I going with here, Jay? Um, I'm a scholar... Activist, um, okay, hi, let's get back to my introduction. Hi, my name is Josephine Baird. <laughs> hi, my name is Josephine Baird. I am a scholar, activist and artist. I used to like to make a spectacle of myself upon the stage. And now I like to draw pictures of queer people and put them on the internet. I also like to think of myself as a queer without portfolio, but I can't anymore. You're still not yet comfortable talking about being an actual academic now, an actual scholar, somebody who is not just studying, but also teaching. And that's true. Why? It still feels kind of uncertain, even though it's not. You know See, what I mean? but that to me is your fear grinding in on you. And I understand why, but it's also being confident because you are teaching game design you did that last term this is not your first time teaching this is not your first time lecturing yeah it's interesting maybe this sort of goes into a different topic but it's also something to do with um sharing private information weirdly enough even though i do you know a podcast with you every week jay and we have been extremely vulnerable and shared a lot of information I've been considering this today about how much I should share online that is actual private doxable information <laughs> and things like that. It sounds a bit weird maybe, but I've been a bit nervous and maybe we are going to talk about visibility after all, because this was one of the topics we were talking about earlier. I'm nervous about being visible. I was considering whether or not I should make a chunk of my social media private mm. recently. And in part because I don't want to have certain conversations about certain British authors. <laughs> and also, I don't feel like putting myself in a position where those people could find me because I'm about to write an article for a journal in which I have a particularly direct go at this group of people in a scholarly way. Mm -hmm. And I've written about them before in public forums. I've been published on the subject matter before. I have spoken in front of institutions about them before, and I am terrified 
Mm. Of the things I've seen them do to other people. I can so understand. And it's difficult because for all of my queer life, I've been very visible. And I admire tremendously the visibility of others, the queer others who I looked up to, the people who I was able to learn from because they were visible, the people who were demonstrating the problems with society and challenging those things that were just wrong by being visible, by simply being out. And I'm in a position now where I am considering how, again, well, no, I've always been in this position. I'm not, there's just nothing new. I always consider at some point how visible I am doing the things I'm doing. I came to the conclusion forever ago that just being open about pretty much everything is the the shield that I like to use. It's not a secret that I'm trans, not a secret that I'm queer. This is not shock horror news. But at the same time, I've seen the viciousness that has been brought down on friends mm. and people who I admire and the impact it's had on them. And it seems to have gotten so, so much worse recently. And I wonder if that's just anecdotal, if that's just me seeing things differently. But I really don't think so. I think there's many more avenues for attack. I agree. And you might notice anyone who's paid attention that for the first couple of episodes, I didn't mention where I worked. I was a little bit more reluctant to talk about working at ThoughtWorks. I was a little bit more reluctant to talk about where I worked because I've got a very findable name, although my first name fails most search engines because they demand two letters. But I've got a very findable job title and I thought about it. And one of the reasons that I feel confident is that I know ThoughtWorks backs me because they actually have multiple times. Every time I've come under attack online, I've literally had ThoughtWorkers lining up and asking me how should they respond. And I actually had to build a little 10 point thing which is pinned on my Twitter which basically says here's how to respond to hatred here's how to be a good ally to me online and I posted that around every time stuff's gone under attack because it's telling people the best ways to support me but it's only that I'm working at this company that I feel that confident in being that visible and that out. There's been times in the past where I've led to very separate social media lives. I've had the work stuff where they get cat pictures and occasional small things. And I'm obviously LGBT, but I'm not queer. I'm not activist. I'm not in your face. And then there's the activist in your face, queer as fuck, all the queer friends, all the activist friends type person. And it's only now at ThoughtWorks, and we're talking nearly five years later, that I'm even starting to blend those two worlds. Yeah, I worry about coming under attack, but I also don't because I know that nothing anyone can say can impact my friends, my family, my partners, my housing, my employment. Nothing is attackable, and I feel very safe in that. But that level of visibility is a huge privilege. 
And there are so many trans people who do not have the ability to be that visible. There are so many queer people even who do not have the ability to be that visible, which makes them vulnerable on one of those points. If you're not able to be visible and your friends could react badly if they found out your queerness or your transness, if your friends were pushed, do you trust them to back you? If your family was pushed, do you trust them to change their stance? Now I'm saying change their stance because I'm not going to discuss my family. But because I'm out to my family, there's nothing that can be said that would make it worse. Because I'm out at my employer, there's nothing that could be said. You know, my employer knows that I'm queer, knows that I'm trans, and they celebrate my non-binaryness. What are they going to say? Jay is non-binary and worked in to go, "Mm mm-hmm. My housing officer... I had to challenge them over the way that my name was written because they were putting me down as Ms. And I was like, it's actually either Dr. or Mix and explained non-binary to them. So none of these places am I vulnerable, but I still worry. And I agree with Josephine. I still worry that by being visible, there is a chink there somewhere. There is a corner of the armor that somebody can get under. There'll be a day when my mental health won't be so good. And there'll just be a deluge of stuff that makes us feel vulnerable. It's like holding your partner's hand in the street. Not that that's been something we've been able to do for a year, but just holding somebody's hand. It can be a massive visibility moment, but it makes you very, very vulnerable. It makes your queerness and your differentness very visible. Does this answer Josephine's thing of should she be visible about where she works? No, it doesn't. I know these people know you and like you and have employed you and all of those things. But there's still that nervousness of will they still want that if they get a vast, horrible social media deluge come upon them? Because you always have that worry in the back of your mind. It's much easier not to have me than to have me there because having me there means that your social media team are going to have the occasional transphobic comment made you know I post stuff about pronouns they're the only pages I believe that Thorwicks ever have had to remove comments from literally I wrote about putting pronouns in things I honestly don't know visibility is complicated for me I see it as a privilege I am concerned about the scary people who, I guess, will find it no matter what. I suppose it doesn't really matter if I'm visible or not. But it's, I mean, that's the thing. It's the um, the threat of violence that's so terrifying. It's the implication of violence that is so scary. It is the threat of being doxxed that's so scary. It's the threat of visibility. That's the thing. You don't have to have experienced it to fear it. Mm. And the fear, as we're very fully aware of, is real. I have experienced some of this. So I do know what it's like. And it's scary every single time. But the reality of it, weirdly enough, hasn't been as terrifying as the fear of it. So when I'm making my decisions about what to say where and when, there's always a calculation. I took this job And when I applied for it, sent them a long CV. And so they know pretty much everything about me. My co-workers know me in many environments and spheres. So they know know that I've been a performer. They know that I'm a visual artist. They know what kind of visual art I do. They know 
that I do a podcast. They know how outspoken I am. They know my particular sense of humor. They know what comics I like. <laughs> We've had these conversations. They know all this and they knew it before they hired me. So that makes that part of the visibility easier. And yet I'm still worried that someday they'll find out some element of me. But why do I fear that? Because it's happened mm-hmm. and it's happened to friends of mine. And because it's happened to me and because it's happened to friends of mine, I'm frightened of it still and I still every single time make this very quick mental calculation how visible am I being right now what information am I sharing to whom and what can they do against me with it and it's really exhausting and upsetting and should not be necessary and yet it clearly is because the thing is as soon as I thought about it I was like well yeah but that's good online etiquette and good online policy generally one should consider what one is sharing online isn't that fucking tragic isn't that i'm just sharing with you dear listener in real time my consideration of this issue i have not considered it verbally very much in this way but this idea that we have to deal with this and that's okay and normal is Mm. just messed up i mean fuck me It is completely messed up. Being visible is making myself vulnerable. But it is a calculation every single time. It is a calculation. Every single move that I've made has been a calculation. Every single move outwards to be vulnerable has been a calculation. Some of us have the privilege to be visible. And by being visible, we get space made in the world. And by getting space made in the world, there's space for more difference being made in the world. because. If we are not visible, if we are not able to be visible, then we can't ask for what every other person in the world has, which is the ability to be themselves, the ability to have space to be them. If you don't make space for people to be visibly themselves, if you don't make space for people to be that vulnerable, what are you doing? What is your diversity about? What is your inclusion about? You aren't allowing people to bring themselves to work. You're saying to people, I'll have most of you, but not this bit. Or if you tell me about this bit, you're going to feel super vulnerable and unsupported. Whereas for me, it's about making people feel that they can bring themselves to work and talk about the fact that they're having a hard year. Well, everyone's having a hard fucking year. Their mental health has suffered. And your employee needs to understand these things and needs to have the space there for you to be vulnerable enough to say to somebody in a way that feels comfortable, hey, this happened, and have that person turn around and go, how can I support you? Not what does this mean? It's how can I support you? Here's different things that we can offer. How else can I support you? What else do you think you need at the moment? And just let me know if you need anything beyond what you say now. This isn't a one-off conversation. You know, that to me is the only way to do this sort of thing. But a lot of people, a lot of places don't. It's thinking about why I feel safe being this vulnerable and what has happened to allow me to be this open in a way that Josephine might not feel so comfortable doing so. Which is the weirdest thing, as I've never been in that situation. <laughs> I've always been unerringly open. I think it's because this is finally what you want, and you're so scared of losing it. 
No, that's a very good point. I spent a great deal of my time doing things, believing that it might be the last time I did something. In fact, I used to think of that as a plus. I would do a show as if it was the last time I was going to do a show because I felt like that somehow improved the quality of the performance or kept me aware of the privilege of being asked to perform or being given a platform or stage to perform on. Those things are true. However, the other reason is because I didn't have necessarily a presumption of a future or a hopeful one. I know that sounds extremely dramatic. Weirdly enough, it was mundane to some degree. It wasn't actually so dramatic. It was just like, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. My future is very unstable. I'm a trans person in a not positive environment. I have no illusions of what that means. To be in a situation, I think I said in many of the previous recordings that we've put out that I consider myself tremendously lucky being in the place that I'm in, being in a place that I never could quite imagine being. And that includes the job that I recently got. In fact, so much so that I could not have imagined it six to eight months ago, let alone six to eight years ago or 16 years ago this would not have ever crossed my mind now jay it's a point of point i used to do this other thing as well because i thought i wasn't going to have these things i never worried about getting them i felt like that was a really dangerous path to go down that i could become incredibly sad believing in or worrying about the things that i could not have so i did this mental gymnastics of just not worrying about it I just was like, well, I'm not going to have it, so why stress about it? Now, of course, any psychologist will immediately jump up and down on that <laughs> and say, hmm, <laughs> and do a strokey, freudy, beardy thing and say, oh, mm, well, avoidance. Mm. And uh, long word for very obvious queer existence issue that I think a lot of us can relate to. However, my life is different now. I have things in my life that yeah I do care about tremendously positions that I've never had before fear of losing that is real but I don't want it to fuck I don't know Jay I don't know no I totally understand it's (sighs) this fear of losing something this fear of of suddenly having something that you could lose is so frightening. Yeah, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I so understand that fear and it drives me and it makes me angry and it makes me difficult and it makes me problematic and it makes me somebody that has extra challenges at work. It makes somebody that is seen as challenging, seen as a challenging person, to manage seen as a challenging person to do things with because there are times where my anger at being made frightened, my anger at being frightened of losing this opportunity, at losing this chance, at losing this job can make it very, very difficult at times to calm me down. There are times where people have gone, Jay, you're so over the top for what has happened. And I'll be like, 
and I can't even explain to them why I'm so frightened and why I'm so angry. And I'm angry at being made frightened. I'm angry at being made to worry. Because why should I be? Why should I be frightened? I feel lucky, not just privileged, but lucky that I've had people who've taken that patience. But I can understand that fear because I've been in jobs where where one of the things that people liked about me was my difference until I went and worked for them. And then they didn't like my difference because my difference meant that I thought differently and my difference meant that I challenged them and my difference meant that I suggested doing things in a different way and my difference meant that that was a year of hell because I was different. They hired me for my brain and I wanted to use my brain, but you realize sometimes, and this is not going to reassure Josephine, that even if people hire you for your brain and they want you for your brain, when you walk in and you use your brain, they go, "Mm, that wasn't quite the brain we thought we were going to get. Actually, no, you've turned me around entirely. Just (laughs) No, seriously, you have. Because I want to express tremendous pride in being associated with some of the people that I've met at the department where I'm hired. And I can't do that without saying where I am. So I will say where I am because I want to say two or three things and I want to attribute them to people who are there fairly because they have made a very specific difference. I won't say their name specifically because they haven't agreed to me sharing their name specifically, but I will say they are faculty members of the University of Uppsala Game Design Institute, where I am a lecturer. One of the things that happened that told me how good it was to be there was attending a research seminar in which I was presenting some work that I was involved with. And the comment that we got back after presenting the work was from one very senior member who said, I want you to be bolder. I want you to share those things that you allude to, but do not say. I want you to speak them out. I want you to be bold. And I was absolutely thrilled. And I said, do you really mean that? Do you really mean for me to say all the quiet things out loud? And she was like, yes, I actually think that this is the only way we can do this. And we went on to have a very long conversation about what it was that really meant anything in doing this kind of work. And just today, I got a request from another faculty member who has been incredibly supportive to me, so much so that I believe that they have directly led to me being in some of the positions I'm in now, offering to do some research with me. That's exciting. That's bold. (laughs) And could put us into a position of some critique because we're going to say things that people might not like. And just the other day, I wrote about Eddie Izzard and all the crap that made me sad about all that. And one of the faculty members who I barely know just came on and replied to that and said that they empathized and how crap it was. I don't know this person very well. I've met them two or three times on Zoom and made friends on Facebook and that's it. That's where I work. I'm incredibly pleased. I'm crying because it moves me to the core to be feeling safe 
and secure in that environment and feeling able to be bold and taking the opportunity to be visible but I'm so scared mm-hmm. and it's going to take a while yeah. to get used to the idea that it's okay that it's not dangerous in fact they're asking very kindly <laughs> directly which I also really like because I'm autistic <laughs> so directly asking me to to be bold and to say what I mean and to speak plainly and not limit myself not mask myself and I'm not sure if I'll be able to explain to them what that means I think they will listen to this and they will look at you no because I can see what it means to you now and I know what it's meant to me I know literally what it's meant to me to have people listen and people respond positively in a way that you don't expect and support you in a way that you don't expect. And it just means so much. And I know that your colleagues will, most of them listen to this because we know that. (laughs) And and I know that my colleagues do. I know that there are people that I work with who listen to this. And I also have the same look that Josephine has on her face now of, I cannot express how much it means to have people who make you feel safe being yourself at work and who say, no, don't hold back, go the full hog, take that on, talk about this, push that boundary, go up and tell the CEO that there's more than two genders, which is what I did. And I felt listened to because he listened to me make that comment and took it seriously We then took a little while of figuring out how to represent in an international company more than two genders and how to talk about what we now call underrepresented gender minorities. But I felt supported and I felt that it was okay. I can't think of any other company where I could walk up to the CEO and have that conversation and be taken seriously. And Zhao, I just want to say thank you because you took me seriously. You didn't dismiss it. But I also know that all thought workers are taken seriously when they raise issues like that. And that's the difference in the company. It's not just acceptance, it's celebration. They're not just accepting you, Josephine. They're celebrating you being different. They're celebrating the different voice that you have. They're saying, this is Josephine and she has a different voice. And we want to make it as loud as possible. Because we want to hear the difference. We don't want to hear the same notes over and over and over. We want that difference. And that is the thing that when you get it, you literally don't know what to do because you've never had it before in your life. So I got it at 45, 46 with ThoughtWorks. You're getting it a couple of years earlier. I want people who are in their first job to feel that same safety and to feel that same thing. Is it going to happen overnight? Fuck no. Will it happen? Fuck yeah. Because it is going to happen faster and faster and faster. Because people like myself and Josephine, we are made visible. 
and by being made visible, our voices get heard and people see that difference and they see what difference brings and they're like, I want some of that. So they go hunting for that difference because they want that voice, because they value that different voice, that different ideas. And they realize that you and I have differences because have different ideas because trans people and non-binary people are not the same. No, thanks for this, Jerry. I wasn't sure what kind of episode we were going to do today. We genuinely started with like, let's talk about fun, which is, I kind of, I should have known immediately that that was not <laughs> going to be a conversation we're going to have. Because you can't say, let's have the topic fun. <laughs> well, I was going to talk that? about being, I was going to talk about fun is complicated and, and how it's different and all of those things. So just to sign off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm privileged to be visible. And I agree that if I'm not visible, I can't demand that the world make space for me. But what I'm demanding is not just space. I'm demanding safety. I'm demanding inclusion. And I'm demanding feeling like it's okay to be vulnerable and to be me. I add to that that I'm tremendously grateful for the people who have chosen to be or have been visible for me on those times when I've had to step back. Jameson Green talks about this, and I had the privilege of meeting him at a trans arts festival in London. He's a trans man, a activist. He wrote a book called Becoming a Visible Man, which is a combination of autobiography and I guess sort of philosophical statement. And one of the things that he talks about was he said that because he's read as a cis man, he often finds that he has to choose to be visible as a trans person. And that he chooses to break that reading of him. And he talks about how complicated it is. He acknowledged that it's difficult to be visible. He acknowledged that there are times when one can use the privilege of invisibility to survive. That that's a very real reason to be invisible. That people who are frightened are frightened for a reason. And Jameson talks about that. And he talks about the choice of being visible anyway. And I have tremendous admiration for that. I can do that in certain moments. I can do that right now here with Jay. I'm taking the opportunity for this podcast to talk about something very personal again today. Whether I do that every single day on social media, that's a decision I will make for myself. Today I can be visible. Today I choose to. Tomorrow, I'm not so sure yet, but mm. that's okay. And yeah, that's that's it. Because I'm going to cry again, so let's stop there. So uh, talk about so, something. Else. Well, no, because apart from talking about the dreadful lockdown, Boris Johnson's latest haircut, which looks like <laughs> I've grabbed the scissors and just hacked it, hacked at his hair. I was going to say one of the reasons that we're frightened of being visibly ourselves on this yeah should we discuss an author and her statements which are apparently award-winning or award nominating (laughs) but should we should we discuss this person no (laughs) perfect (laughs) i'd rather not